You know, there's a lot of talk about revenue and profits and how much business owners and creators make. But what I don't hear is the much more enticing, much more achievable goal of setting an effective hourly rate, one that matches your particular needs. Now I get it. It's not nearly as sexy as saying a six-figure business or a seven-figure business. But in my experience, the process and the outcomes are much more scalable, much more sustainable, and importantly, they're much more joyful when you use this method. So let's figure out your EHR today on the Rising Tide Talent Show. Rising Tide lives So recently, I met with my CPA, and I do want to give you some context. For a number of years, I've done my own bookkeeping, my own accounting, and even when I was in senior leadership, but I was working for somebody else, I had a pretty prominent role in the day-to-day operations regarding finances and goal setting and tracking our profits and our losses, etc., Now, I really like using a gap analysis for tracking income leads and everything in between. If you don't know what a gap analysis is or how I interpret it, be sure to go back and listen to some of my back episodes of the Rising Tide Talent Show. I actually break all of this down. And shameless plug alert, I do have a digital product that actually gives you the template and the tutorials to use this in your own business. And you'll find that at risingtidetalents.com. So I said I've done my own bookkeeping for years, but in 2022, I decided to make a pretty big shift in my business structure. So I initially created Make Media Over as an LLC. This was years ago. And I always operated as a sole proprietorship. I hit pause on the active work and the revenue when I went in-house to work for someone else's company, but I kept my LLC active. I paid the annual filing fees. I kind of always knew in the back of my mind that Make Media Over was going to be home base for me. When I came back to it in early 2022 and relaunched my services with brand new packages, brand new offers, all new pricing, it sort of had a pretty massive overhaul, but the name was the same and the LLC was the same. Almost on day one, the new V2 of Make Media Over was generating significantly more revenue than it had even in the years that I had been sole proprietorship and running the agency or this like, you know, one woman show for years. So make media over V2 right out of the gates, more successful from a revenue standpoint. But that also led me to understand that there would be significant benefits if I would explore a different entity. And in this case, I decided to shift and operate as an S-corp. Now, if your eyes are starting to glaze over, your head is starting to hurt, you're hearing all of this jargon and you're panicking, rest easy. This is not an episode all about the transition or the logistics or the how and the why and the what's the differences because I am not equipped to explain that to you. I know enough 
to know what I don't know. And I certainly do not know the inner workings of tax laws entity structures, LLCs versus S-Corps, I know enough to have made an informed decision and to know that this was the right strategy and shift for my business and for the revenue growth and the projections that I was experiencing. But again, this is one of those, if you are in a position where you are starting to think, is this the right structure for me? Should I be consulting with an expert? Please go talk to an expert. I did. And I'm really thankful for that. And so I now actually work with a team and this team essentially runs my business. They are part virtual CFO, part tax expert, part accountant, part financial therapist, all of the things. The point of all of that is, is that instead of me now balancing my own profit and loss statements each month, I now have an expert who does that on my behalf. I'm still extremely in the weeds with my own numbers. I, you know, I don't think you can be a strong business owner without caring about your profitability, without understanding where the income is coming in, where your expenses are going out. You have to at least be mindful because I, I do know that if you turn over not even just the decisions, but the ownership and the overview, if you turn that over to somebody else, they're just never going to care as much about it as you will as the business owner. And especially if you have a team, whether you're trying to make payroll or you have contractors or you have outstanding expenses or vendors who are counting on you, it's really important that you as the boss stay in boss mode. But the day-to-day like detailed accounting and bookkeeping I'm so happy to have turned that over. So there is, in my mind, a big difference between understanding the profitability of your business and how it's operating, how successfully you are generating revenue and increasing revenue while you decrease your expenses. That's the game, right? But having this team take over for me has been really helpful. And so recently, as I said at the beginning of this episode, I met with my CPA and I said to her, you know, I really just want to know this first six months of being officially back in business. I did not really know, you know, I, I did not feel like I could sort of set big goals. I didn't know until I got back into business what the marketplace even looked like. You know, was there an interest in my services? If so, what was the value of my services in the marketplace? Could I generate significant income at least to replace uh, the salary that I had been bringing in? Um, You know, how much would I have to work? These were a lot of variables and, and unknowns. And getting back into business, I know that I'm a little bit unique in that I have done this before, but I am also doing this from scratch. And so I have this like history and this understanding of what it took on V1 of Make Media Over to build and grow and scale my business. But because again, I've come at it from a different approach this time, it it also feels brand new. It is, it is a very weird concept and a mindset that I'm still learning to feel comfortable in, by the way. But I did know two things. Number one, that I wanted to at least make up with my business income, what I had been generating in my salaried income. And I wanted 
to have a stronger work-life balance, meaning that I wanted to be able, I wanted to be in a position where I could choose to work fewer hours. I could choose to set my schedule the way I wanted. I could choose what days of the week I wanted to work. I could choose which clients to say no to. And that has been, I think, my guiding North Star plan as I have come back to this business. So when I met with my CPA, I told her specifically, and I wanted to really understand not just how I had closed Q1 and Q2, but how was I shaping up in the first six months of the year? And what she shared with me was deeply impactful in a positive way. And I'm going to share this, not because I feel like you need one more person bragging to you or giving you ideals or benchmarks that don't feel achievable to you, but because I want you to certainly understand that there are methods and techniques that you can use to better understand what kind of services, offers, et cetera, you need to offer and how to price them in order for you to get what you and only you need and want from your business. So two things that I'm sharing from my own experience that I do hope inspire and motivate you and also give you a better understanding of sort of the anti-hustle culture uh, that I think many of us are trying to embrace. Number one, I have now officially surpassed the salary that I brought in in Q1 and Q2 the year before when I was working full-time for someone else. And I surpassed it, not by a small margin, by the way. It wasn't just like, oh, I matched it. That's great. And now we'll see how the second half of the year goes. I significantly increased the amount of revenue that I was bringing home in my business in the first six months of 2022 when compared to the salary that I had in the first six months of 2021 working for somebody else. So number one, that's pretty mind-blowing to me. And the more important thing for me and for this discussion as we get into your effective hourly rate, I generated that money, that revenue, that take-home while working fewer than half as many hours. Like, can we pause and just think about that? I love to work. So this is not, I am not one more coach or consultant telling you that the only path, the only way to measure success is if you are basically never working, but generating hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. If that's your goal, absolutely crush it, kill it. I am so excited to see that women in particular, especially women who have families or who have young kids, these are people who may have been marginalized in corporate America, who may have not been able to truly understand their value or to pursue wealth, generational wealth, impactful wealth. Like I could not be more excited for the women who are doing this because that's their mission. At the same time, I've shared before on this show that I love to work. I do not love working 50, 60 hour weeks. I do not love working to the point of burnout. I am still recovering from that period of my life and maybe always will have some trauma and some PTSD around that. But I love to work. I love meaningful work. 
I love to show up for myself and my own business, for my clients. I like to create. I like to generate content. I like to solve challenges. I like to fix broken things. And again, I've shared before in the episode, particularly where I talked about this gap analysis that I referred to earlier in this episode, that really for me, when I was envisioning the life that I wanted to lead, I thought maybe I'd want to work 15 hours a week, 20 hours a week. Like that's the ideal. Nope. It actually turns out that when I did that, I got bored and then I meddled and I would set fires to things or I would create problems where there didn't need to be any. So I've now used that as a lesson to say, okay, for me, The goal really isn't to work the minimum amount of hours. It is to work the number of hours that feel sufficient for me to be in my creative zone of genius, to feel like I'm having an impact on my clients' lives and in the business world. Um, It is the amount of hours that I need to really feel like I am being challenged myself, like I'm learning and growing and no more, no more. (laughs) And even inside of that, there are, of course, ups and downs. You know, this summer, I really was enjoying being able to take some extra time off to be with my family, traveling for a reunion with my college girlfriends, spending some extra time with my husband, even, you know, taking morning breakfast trips or leisurely lunches or, you know, ending my workday a little bit early. These were all things that I loved doing in the summer season. And as I record this, my kids are back in school, we're back in a routine, and I've got more time to grind it out and enjoy that. But the takeaway from my meeting with my CPA was that I was able to successfully generate more money in less time spent. And again, I cannot stress this enough. I have been in the other situation. I have worked a lot, even in the example I said, you know, in order for me to bring in the same amount of money that I'm doing now, I had to work more than twice as much recently, like the year before this one and for years before that. So I am pinching myself. I'm knocking on wood. I'm keeping up with my abundance and manifestation journaling. I'm checking my birth chart. Like I'm doing all the things, throwing salt over my shoulder, crossing my fingers, uncrossing my fingers. I'm doing it all. But It is clear to me now that this message that was given to me for so many years, that the real measure of worth or your value is time, not just money, time, how you're using it, how you're not using it, the pressure to fill this space. If you have to work 100 hours a week to get to the revenue goal that you've created for yourself, maybe even arbitrarily, is it actually worth it? I know for me, the answer is no. So the concept that I find as important as any other metric for success is your effective hourly rate. And I told you at the beginning of the episode, I know that's not as sexy as saying like, I can't wait to make six figures. I can't wait to make seven figures. I can't wait to do this and this and this, like year over year growth. All of those things can be true. And yet I find that the metric and the tool and the method for creating growth and planning out my future, this EHR or effective hourly rate is so much more applicable and so much more joyful. So we are going to do some math here. (laughs) So I love numbers uh, because of data. And I do believe the data should drive your decisions. And I do believe that the more information you have at your fingertips, the more empowered you are to make the right choices for you. 
I don't actually love math. So I'm going to keep it as simple as I can. And I'm going to encourage you to take the concept of this and apply it to your own work. And by the way, if you are listening to this and you are not a business owner, you're not an entrepreneur, you are working for somebody else and you never want to stop, I get that. There is stability, there are opportunities, and some of you are working for incredible organizations with leadership teams that truly pour into you and support you and love you. And I think that is great. I do not think that business ownership solopreneurship, freelancing, I do not think that's the path for everybody. And I also have benefited from spending some time running my own businesses and some time working for other people. And even though I am over the moon excited about what my business is doing for me right now, I'm also never going to say never in terms of going in-house again or taking another opportunity right now because I see how joyful and fulfilling my life can be working less and making more. I'm not super excited to rock the boat. But again, using this same calculus, I now feel much more, uh, you know, I'm, I'm able to approach decisions in a much more productive and meaningful way because I can now use my effective hourly rate to decide, is this opportunity worth it? Is this matching what I need? So let's do the math. Effective hourly rate, you take the income that you currently earn and divide it by the number of hours that you work. It really is that simple. And by the way, this also for those of you who may be freelancers and you either work on retainer basis or you have packages where you're like working on stuff, but it's not work time. This actually incorporates this too. So it really helps you with some of that white space around your billable and non-billable time. If you are a freelancer and that's your business model, you know what I mean. If you're not or you don't, and that's just extra jargon, let that one go by. Just know that this effective hourly rate I find to be applicable to every role, every industry, every business type, every stage of business. So take the income that you earn and divide it by the number of hours that you work. So let's work through some examples. If I told you that I was making $200,000 a year in a salaried job, working 50 hours a week, 50 working weeks, meaning essentially I take two weeks off for PTO or vacation, my effective hourly rate in that scenario is $80. Okay, $200,000 a year in salary, working 50 hours a week with 50 working weeks on the schedule, my hourly rate is $80. If I made the same $200,000 a year running my own business, but at this time working 30 hours a week with 48 working weeks, so four weeks of PTO, my effective hourly rate would be $139. I am going to, of course, give you this disclaimer. There are nuances. We don't all stay at one salary for a full year. We may not have a set number of working hours in any given week. We may take more PTO or vacation time one year compared to another. But in general, I hope that you can see in this first example, by changing only the number of hours that are worked in a year, keeping the income the same, that $200,000 number, I didn't change that. Just by decreasing the number of hours that are worked to get to that number, the effective hourly rate increases. Let's come at it from the opposite approach. Let's look ahead and apply it to where you want to be in terms of your revenue and the number of hours worked. Because I do use this to help 
set rates for my services, create offers, and even create those sales goals that I talked about for how much I want to bring in versus how much I want to work. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing. So let's change the example. Now, let's say I actually, I would like to bring in $300,000 a year. So again, if I'm currently making 200,000, maybe my goal is 300,000 a year in business income. So how do I do that? Well, I want to work 25 hours a week. Again, these are just example numbers, so you can insert your own. But I want to bring in $300,000 a year in business income. I'd like to work 25 hours a week. And I'd like to do that across 46 working weeks. So again, in this case, I want to work even fewer hours each week and take even more time off for vacations or sabbaticals. So now we just do the math backwards. I want to make $300,000 in 1150 working hours a week, a year, excuse me, 300,000 in 1150 working hours a year. And that's 25 hours a week times 46 working weeks. That's how I got to the total number of working hours in a year. Hopefully you're sticking with me. If I take $300,000 and divide it by those 1150 working hours in the year, my effective hourly rate is now $261. That's what I have to generate for my working hours in order to hit my revenue goals. So now I have something I can work with. I could update my done-for-you services to offer packages and work product that matches that EHR. I could consider a new group coaching offer or digital product that sells for $250 to $300. And I just need to make sure that I'm trying to sell at least one copy for each hour I take to promote it. If I'm promoting it for eight hours, I need to have eight sales. Okay. Or I can create a new one-time offer, like a VIP day or a one-time consult and have that match my new EHR. This is another example of creating an offer that matches the effective hourly rate. So, you know, perhaps a 60-minute coaching call that I offer for $300. The nuance and the disclaimer here is that, of course, you can set your rates or prices however you want. You can say, I want to make $300 an hour, therefore I am booking at $300 an hour. But if the market isn't demanding the work that you're providing or isn't willing to pay what you're asking, you're going to end up disappointed. There is an element of entitlement that I am begging you not to fall into that trap. Do not feel entitled to the $300. If you are seeking to earn $300 an hour, then you have to create the offer and the set of value propositions and prove that you can create something that is worth that to your particular client and your ideal audience. And that really, by the way, is the game. That's why I am able to do what I do because this is what I help clients with figuring out that offer, marketing that offer, getting through and cutting through the white noise and getting to the right people. So there's job security for me because I understand that this is a really difficult, nuanced piece of the puzzle. I want you to use all of these calculations as a guide, but be cautious to not just say, I am entitled to make $300 an hour. I want to make $300 an hour. Therefore, that is my rate. You have to start there or I encourage you to start there and then match the service to that. And if you find the right client, you're talking to the right audience, you're really clear about your message, you're clear about your offer, you will succeed in this. And it's a lot more effective than just picking a number out of a hat or worse, looking at what someone else is charging and trying to match that. 
So are you mathed out? (laughs) I kind of am. And I'm the one that created this episode. So I am not going to keep going on and on about the topic of numbers and how to figure out how much you have to make and what you need. I am going to leave you with this. And it's a bit of a teaser. With all of this said, the other exercise that I find to be so critical and that has positively impacted my journey is to take a really close look at not just what I think I want, but like actually what do I need? How much revenue do I, Katie, need for myself and my family? How much does my household income have to be? Let's put it that way. In order for us to not just pay our bills, but pay our bills and then live the life that we truly, truly want. And I dream big on this one. This is like, okay, what is the mortgage on the house that I want to buy? What is my budget for expenses that are wants, not needs, but that I really want to continue to enjoy? For me, that's like getting pedicures, getting facials, um, you know, spending money on, I don't even know, coffees, like, you know, all of the sort of cliched things. And then... I have this whole bucket where I feel at my best when I am able to make a significant, meaningful, charitable contributions to organizations that are near and dear to my heart. So that goes on the on the list as well. That number that my husband and I come up with, how much do we want to allocate for vacations every year? Are there sports for my kids that we really want to be able to say yes to? Do we need to put in a budget for new clothes, new shoes, like my uh, you know fitness subscriptions? It all goes on there. Like I don't, I don't play cuts at this point. I figure out what does my household actually need? What is that actual number that we've calculated to pay the bills and then all of the other things? And at least in my case, and when I've done this exercise with clients, it's shocking because most of us actually need less than we think. And I find, and I have done this myself, so this is not an indictment of you or an attack on you, but I find that we as creators, we as business owners, we as, you know, more progressive, you know, forward looking boss ladies or girl bosses or whatever, like term you want to call it, strong women in leadership. We think that we should be making more because it's performative, because we're in the comparison trap. Somebody else is saying, oh, I make multiple six figures or multiple seven figures. And so we think that's the measure of success. Actually, it turns out for me, like my joyful take-home amount is much, much lower than I thought. And that's with all of the bells and the whistles and the shiny objects and the fun things thrown in. And then like 10% added on top of that. Even when I get to that number, that number is so much lower than this like arbitrary goal that I have set for myself in the past. I want you to make money. I think that you deserve to make money. I want money to flow to you because I trust that you, just by listening to this and pursuing growth, I trust that you will use that wealth and that income and that revenue for good just as I trust myself. So I am not asking you to limit your beliefs. I'm not asking you to think small, keep dreaming big, but get real on what you actually need to live that perfect life, to live that balanced, joyful life. Figure out for you, how much do you need to bring home? How many hours do you want to work? And then set your effective hourly rate. And that is the number that you chase. 
it takes the pressure off of all of a sudden I've got to bring in X amount because if I don't, I'm not a multiple six-figure earner. I'm not a six-figure earner. I'm not whatever. Take that pressure off and figure out your effective hourly rate and chase that down. And if you try that, I hope and I trust that you will find this process a lot more scalable a lot more fun with a lot less pressure and you can still dream big and accomplish your wildest dreams. I know that because I'm here doing it and I'm going to keep doing it and I want you to be doing it with me. Thank you for listening to the Rising Tide Talent Show. For more, follow at Rising Tide Talents on Instagram and visit risingtidetalents.com. You'll find show notes, resources, and much more from today's episode. It's all at risingtidetalents.com slash podcast. I'm your host, Katie Widrick. You'll find me at kwidrick. Until next time, remember, a rising tide lifts all ships. Rising.